Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Cool. Well, well, hello, church. Hey, my name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say a big happy birthday to any of the followers of Jesus. Anyway, birthday birthday of the church pentecost sunday hey happy birthday the day the church was born i get excited about pentecost sunday because uh i just i just love the holy spirit love the father the son and the holy spirit amen i want to share uh, we've been in this series about belonging and you know the, Ho- the holy spirit wants to bring that and create that sense of belonging that this is a church where we are a family that uh, jesus died, rose again, the day of Pentecost, birthed a family, not an organization, not a meeting, not a club, but the family of God. You know, that's a lot better news than some of your faces are telling me right now, I tell you, it is really good news. And it says there that uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, interesting word, fully, because it's talking about what had been fulfilled. It wasn't just the day fully come, it was a fulfillment. But you know, that the word Pentecost... That word, and especially in my journey, maybe some journeys here, has been a bit of a scary word because it's very close to another word, which is Pentecostal. And uh, that used to scare me a little bit because I didn't grow up in a church where that word was said a lot. And uh, you would associate the word Pentecostal with uh, normal people until music started. In a church service, they were very naughty, everything was the same. But as soon as that music started, man, I don't know what happened. There would be, some people associate the word Pentecostal with laughter and just uh, uncontrollable things. And I, I really pray this morning, I think God wants to de-spook a little few things about the Holy Spirit and the word Pentecostal. Um, I've had many different experiences and unfortunately uh, some experiences that weren't so good. I remember one time. Sky and I were, went to a, a, a conference and they spoke on the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, they were, they were this close, probably one centimeter away from actually trying to grab Sky's tongue, pull it out and make it start speaking in tongue. Like, it was just a crazy experience. Like uh, uh, other times I remember um, my first experience, I sort of shared a bit last week when I, I went to a, a new church and, and yeah, just, just everything was a little bit, crazy sometimes people falling over and different things going on I I didn't grow up with that Um, and it can make people nervous the word Pentecost in fact I remember in my first role as in senior pastoring uh, I had one of the uh, gentlemen that had been part of the church all his life come up and said you're turning this place into a Pentecostal circus and I said which part because I haven't even preached or said that word since I started and he said to me he said it's the praying for people at the front after the service and I said, that's probably more biblical than Pentecostal. <laughs> but it makes people nervous. So I want to ease your nerves. The word Pentecost, Greek word, it means something really scary. So brace yourself. It means five to the power of ten. It means fifty. That's the meaning of the word Pentecost. It means fifty. It is the Jewish celebration 
of 50 days after the Passover, after Jesus died on the cross, is the, is the Passover lamb. But in the Old Testament, the Jewish celebration of the Passover, when God delivered his people from Egyptian slavery, when by the blood of the lamb they got set free, and then 50 days later was uh, this celebration known as the Pass, uh, sorry, as, the, as Pentecost, when God came down and gave the law on Mount Sinai. Um, so there's sort of like two Pentecosts. Uh, it sort of changed a bit in Leviticus. God shifted things up and Pentecost would be celebrated now 50 days after the first Sabbath after the Passover because God knows what's going to happen in advance in the New Testament when Jesus would die on the Passover, then there'd be a Sabbath, and then it'd be 50 days, and, and, and Pentecost would come, the Holy Spirit would come as we're going to sell as we celebrate this morning. But it they would bring new grain to this festival to celebrate the new harvest, the harvest celebration. Uh, so the first Pentecost, the giving of the law, when God came down and wrote on tablets of stone his law that day, remember, because of the people, three thousand people died. Uh, on the day of Pentecost. God came down and wrote his law on tablets of flesh, giving us the Holy Spirit, his presence in us. And guess how many people got saved? 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You can never be saved by keeping the law. You can only be saved by grace alone in Jesus alone. Pentecost was the fulfillment of God's promise that Jesus was speaking of in a large portion of his ministry, that God's plan is to get his presence back into his people. Relationship. Uh, the next slide says that um, this promise in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you, catch this, to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Notice he's saying there's going to be a new way. It's not going to be man-made effort. It's not going to be keeping the law. But when you get my spirit, it will cause you to walk differently. The spirit of God is the power of God in our life that we need every single day to live the impossible Christian life. It's impossible to live this Christian life. But without the Spirit, the Spirit is what makes it possible. This is the ability He gives us to live as Jesus would live on the earth today. God knew that we needed not another principle, but we needed the very person of the Holy Spirit. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 14. By the way, I'm just going to be skipping through a few verses this morning. I have zero points for this sermon, but I'm believing that there will be a point that will come into your heart that's just from God to you. Many points. 2 Corinthians 14, 13, 14, I should say, says, May the, I love this verse. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Don't you like, there's the Trinity in one verse. God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Father. But then it says this, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship, that, that, that relationship, that, that deep interaction it's a deep thing. It's not just knowing about Him. You know, the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father, as much God as the Son. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible like I used to think, right? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes He's the ignored member of the Trinity that we sort of put to the side because we've seen some weird stuff. 
And some of the weird stuff makes us throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the body of Christ then walks with a limp because there are so many churches that let anybody come in except the Holy Spirit. Just don't let the Holy Spirit in. Why? Because it might get uncomfortable because you know, I've seen some extremes. But you know, the Holy Spirit has been attacked by the enemy so much and there's so much of the large portion of the body of Christ that walk with a limp because they're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to know this morning that He is a gentle spirit. It's not a scary spirit. He's nothing, no one to be scared of. He is, he, he is Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. He is the fellowship, to love Him, to know Him, to know He's with you, to know He never leaves you nor forsakes you, to know He'll give you the power that you don't have to live like Jesus. How is it in your heart this morning? Do you have that fellowship with the Holy Spirit? I want to look at a couple of thoughts of what happened on that day of Pentecost and that encourage us to be embracive of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to be a people that welcome, more than welcome, like last week, more than accept one another, more than accept the Holy Spirit as a theological train of thought, but embrace Him as he wants to be embraced. On the day of Pentecost, was, uh, as, as we, we uh, I didn't read it, but it was on the screen. And if you've got your Bibles or your tablets, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It was, a, it was as, a, notice it says, a sound from heaven. There came a sound. Uh, could you imagine being in that place? There's no wind, but there's a sound of a rushing wind. And in the Old Testament, you know, often the, the wind, the Ruach of God, the God's breath, the Holy Spirit symbolized as, as breath, as wind, and, and it coming into the room. And guess what? He's going into the room, but he doesn't want to just be in the room. He wants to get into hearts and lives. That's what he's doing on this day, that the Spirit of God going from the outside to the inside. God's plan was never to have his presence in a temple made with human hands, but to get his presence back into the temple of the Holy Spirit being your body. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking King James, sorry. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Spirit of God. God now lives in you. And uh, it says that, this wind came and the whole house was filled with our sitting. When then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. This is where it gets crazy for us conservative growing up people for like me. It says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance, they surrendered their tongues to the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages they had not learnt. And these languages were heard by people from all parts of the earth. Every part of the earth they were heard. And on that day they would hear, they heard the gospel. They heard the glory of God in their own language. But it was this, this, was, this was a sign to them to go, whoa, God is in the place. I want you to know that being a community of faith is about being a community where we are welcoming the supernatural. Maybe I can go a bit further. We are expecting the supernatural. We have faith to believe for it and we don't get surprised by the supernatural that God can do whatever he wants to do. A place where we belong, a place in the family of God. I love how God chose on this day and it's not just by chance. So sometimes you read a story like this, you read what happened, this account. 
and you just think, well, that was good on you, God. Like, great way to come in and, and show us your presence, tongues of fire, different languages. Don't know if I would have done it that way. But if we go back and see what was God saying, what's something we can see that happened at Pentecost? It's interesting scripture in Zephaniah, not one a Bible um, chapter I read a lot, but Zephaniah 3 verse 9 says this, speaking and prophesying of when the Messiah would come. It says, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that that catch the language here that they may call on the name of the lord what happened on the day of pentecost peter cried out that all who call on the name of the lord will be saved and then it says this catch this word to serve him with one accord they were all together in one accord i'm 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 not a theologian on this this scripture i'm sure there's more of this to be fulfilled in the future but certainly part of it looks like it god's saying i want to restore to the people a pure language because there's so much filthy language in the world but 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 i want a pure language i want the language of heaven on their tongues and, and that they can serve in one accord that they can be together so if he's going to restore it then we could ask the question if he's going to bring it back, when did he take away a pure language? And then we could go back and we go to Genesis 11. If you're taking notes, write Genesis 11 and it's the story of Babel. <laughs> Babel, the story of Babel. Babel means confusion. Don't have to be an expert to figure that one, do you? Babylon means sown or planted in confusion. The Bible says in Genesis 11 that now the whole world had one language and one common speech yep we got it up there one the whole world as people moved eastward they found a plain in everyone say it i can't pronounce it thank you for your help shinar and settled there they said to each other come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly they used bricks instead of stone and tar from mortar then they said come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And just think about that. God comes down and he sees these people building a, a, a city to heaven, like doing this thing to create a name for himself. And before you, you probably know the answer, but I would have thought God would have been like, oh, what do you think you're doing? Like, as if that's going to happen. But it's amazing what God actually says. He comes down and he says this. If as one people, catch this, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God said that. God said as one people, they're in one accord. What does it mean in one accord? They're speaking the same language. What will happen at, the, at Pentecost? God got people in one accord and they he gave them a language and, and this language united people rather than divided people the language of god always brings unity yet all my life i've seen so much division when it comes to topics like the holy spirit and speaking in tongues and the whole thing of pentecost was reversing what happened at the tower of babel where he scattered the people uh, with different types of tongues at pentecost he brings people together with different tongues that bring unity back together powerful thought isn't it notice that god said his words were in verse 7, the next verse, Come, let us go down and confuse their language, 
so they will not understand each other. Come, let us go down at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, unite their language so they will understand each other. So verse 8, so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and stopped building, they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. I love this thought that Pentecost is about unity. It's about how God used tongues to bring unity. And the challenge we have of being a community in unity is what will our tongues be used for? God set their tongues on fire and the truth is often our tongues are the greatest cause of division in a family. Our tongues are the greatest cause of uh, you know, d- dividing. But God's saying, I want you to use your tongue for unity for the, the language of heaven is unity. The language of the kingdom is love. The language of the kingdom is peace. The language of the kingdom is accept one another as I have accepted you. I'm not just talking about speaking in other tongues. I'm sp- talking about a language of love that unites and brings people together. The devil has attacked this so much so because he is so scared of what could happen if a faith community came together is in one accord speaking the same language, what that could do, the power that could be released, the unity that could spread from here to the, the community around us. He would hate to see that happen. Amen? So it's attacked. So it's he loves seeing the weird things so that people get turned off by it. I want to tell you, God's Holy Spirit, they were just speaking languages that they had not learned. Another time for another sermon, another study about uh, the different kinds of speaking in tongues in the Bible, but we, we won't, we're not going exactly there right now. But these were languages that brought unity. See, there's a term that I want to go to that often brings division too, but should bring unity And it's the term, the baptism, in or with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a term that I've had seen divide people. And it's meant to bring unity. It really, really is. It's, um, but what does it actually mean? Well, I want to give you a couple of thoughts this morning and this has really blessed my socks off, these couple of thoughts. I really hope you lean in and, 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 and have a heart to hear and listen. Um, when we become a Christian, I'm going to go to a few verses, we receive the Holy Spirit, do we not? We receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 10, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one Spirit you are all baptized into one body. We're all part of the body of Christ because the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. This could be better understood as a baptism of the Holy Spirit, the word of, of. Um, Our salvation, secured, sealed, you have the Holy Spirit. And I would never ever tell anybody that they do not have the Holy Spirit if they've trusted in Jesus. But you know, you can have someone in your house and not really receive them. You can have somebody in your house and not really engage them. I think of some family members at Christmas time. Just my family? Not really. So the second point I would bring on this is uh, we know that also that, thank you for the next slide, is that we are to be water baptized. So salvation, 
and then water baptized and disciples baptize us in water isn't that the truth Matthew 28 go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in water and this is not for salvation this is because of salvation we have an outward testimony that my old life is dead and buried and I'm a new creation in Christ and I come out of the water if you haven't been water baptized and you follow Jesus it's just something you get to do it's not something you have to do you get to do it don't be like the thief on the cross and get to the last minute go I just wanted to get water baptized but he's got to go to he hasn't got time Just get baptized. It's a wonderful expression. If you follow Jesus, he commanded it, he modeled it, and we get water baptized. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then there's another thought here. The third one on the next slide is that Jesus baptizes believers with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. It's not a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism in or with, and the grammar is very important in understanding this because the first one The first one in Corinthians about being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ is not the same. Paul, uh, sorry, yeah, Paul is not speaking the same as what Luke and Jesus speak. Let me show you this. In all four Gospels, it is said that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Let me go to them. Uh, Matthew Matthew 3.11. And wouldn't you believe it? I wrote, the na- I wrote them down and I didn't put them on the screen today. We can leave that there. That's cool. Matthew 3.11. I'm going to do old school. So if you're okay to let me just f- flick a few pages. Is that good? Are you, are you listening in this morning, church? Oh, I really believe this is going to unite us in a greater way and bring us together. Matthew 3.11 says this. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, John says. I, whose sandals, I can't even do up his Nike airs. I'm not even worthy of touching his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, Mark, you know, there's not many things recorded in all Gospels. Mark chapter 1, verse 8. There's not many. I mean, the death, burial, and resurrection are recorded in all four Gospels. And that's important, Amen. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises is recorded in all four Gospels. It says in Mark 1.8, I indeed baptize you with water, John again, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, known as the Synoptic Gospels, meaning there is a similarity, all put it in a similar way. Luke 3.16 says this, John answered and saying to them all, Indeed, I baptize you with water. That's that baptism we talked about before. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And my favorite one is this one. John chapter 1 and verse 33 says this. It's my favorite because John says it differently. He says, Uh, I did not know him, speaking of Jesus, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, catch this, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What's John speaking of there? Jesus' water baptism, remember? Jesus' water baptism, he, John baptizes him, and the Bible says the voice from heaven and, and a, what seemed like a dove, the Spirit come down on Jesus. He'd been water baptized. He didn't need to get saved. He didn't need to get baptized in the body of Christ because he, had, he didn't need to get born again like you and I because he was born perfect. 
but he got water baptized. And then it said the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came and remained on him. Why? Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on somebody for a specific purpose, for a specific time, and would leave. It wasn't, but this is the one that would remain on Jesus anointed. And it said, this is the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus getting the Holy Spirit. And then first thing, the Holy Spirit he is out, goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. But guess what? He's got a power greater than the devil. He's got the Holy Spirit, fully God, fully human, and the Holy Spirit. He was sinless and full of the Holy, Holy Spirit. It's important to know the way Paul uses the term compared to Luke and to John. It really does help. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, I think my next scripture says this, uh, Jesus' last words are important words before he goes back to heaven. He says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Remember that word, the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, because I just did a few chapters on it. All the, I'm telling you about the promise, the promise, the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water. But you, sh sorry, that's the wrong scripture. Can you go back one? For John truly, uh, it's all good, it's not there. Acts 1 verse 4. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Speaking of the day of Pentecost, this is what would happen. It's coming, the baptism in with the Holy Spirit. So let's see what happened on the day of Pentecost when people got saved, they come to know Jesus. Next slide, now you can do it, thank you. It says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart knowing that their sin Jesus died for, that they deserved to die for. And they said, what do Turn. That's salvation. Remember the key word, three words, salvation, water, spirit. They pop up all through the Bible. Salvation, water, spirit. They repent let every, and then let every one of you be baptized. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then it says again, for the promise is to you and to your children to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. Now, I know I've read a lot of scriptures, so let's just quickly recap. The promise was the Holy Spirit, Jesus promising. The pro wait for the promise. Don't go start a church. Don't go do ministries. Don't do anything. Don't leave Jerusalem. Because if you go and start doing anything, it'll be man-made. But you need to be endued with a power from on high. You need to be baptized with and in the Holy Spirit. And this is what will separate you to be able to do real Christian ministry. And so don't start anything. So they're waiting and they're in one accord and the Holy Spirit comes and then 3,000 people get saved and it says this promise the Holy Spirit is not just for you there in the in the Bible it's not just for them but it's for you for as many as the Lord God will call that's me so I believe that the Holy Spirit is not just going to come and reside in me and, and, and dwell me as a Christian but I can receive the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit today and I'm glad I'm really glad because I need him and I need his power and it's this power that has changed my life from the inside out. The promise for Pentecost for us is for everybody today. Do you embrace him? When I think about Jesus, our example, if he needed to the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to embrace him? It says in Luke 4.14, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, 
and news of him spread everywhere throughout the region. And I believe it's the same for us today, that we should return from this service in the power of the Spirit. Not in your own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that you can be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's in you. I'm not sort of talking about getting more of God. I'm asking, has God got all of you to be I mean, Paul contrasts it with don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being, you know, is, he, is he the main influence? Is he the influence over your life that you are under his influence? And you continue, continually say, Lord, fill me. But for some people, and I was in, in this case, for some people, maybe this morning, you've never actually embraced the Holy Spirit baptizing you, the word baptize, immerse, submerge, to totally consume you. You've never actually prayed that prayer and said, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And you might be like me because oh, well, it was scary. I thought something weird might happen or, or will I speak in weird languages? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You were never in more control than when you were full of the Holy Spirit. It's not to make you spooky, it's to make you spiritual. And so the fear, when the fear left, and I just embraced Holy Spirit. And I remember exactly when I did it. I was at a church service. There was about 500 people, I reckon. And they preached a message like I'm preaching this morning, a bit similar. And they said, if you want to come forward, you've never done that. You know, I knew knew he... See, there's a difference between indwelling and infilling. And and you might, you're dwelt, but are you filled? Are you empowered? And and, and when they said this message and said, come to the front, we're going to pray for people. I assumed I better get there quick because I reckon everyone's going for this. Walked out the front, and I was all alone, <laughs> only person. And this person came and prayed for me, and nothing really happened. But by faith, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not by feelings, by faith. I noticed that I started to be, um, have this desire and power to talk about Jesus with my friends. I've got testimony in that time was suddenly people in my footy team were asking what's happened in your life because you don't need to try and preach Jesus when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and it just things started to change and and then there's been seasons in my life and where it's dry and even this morning I'm going to probably come to the altar myself this morning and say Lord just give me a fresh filling a fresh fire of your Holy Spirit a fresh baptism Um, I believe Pentecost was a historical once-off event birthing the church 100% yes I don't think we need another Pentecost to bring the Holy Spirit we just need to know what it means for us today which is to receive what he's already poured out We sing, pour your spirit out, but what we're really singing is, you've poured your spirit out. Help me to be a good receiver, not help me to to receive that today. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I believe. What about you today? How is it in your heart? I thought that was my last page, and it is. I just want to go to two more scriptures, and we'll close off as a music team, or if Luke want to hit the keys. Two more scriptures in the book of Acts. Firstly, Acts chapter 8, the believers in Samaria, verse 14, says this. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. What's that? Remember our three words, salvation, water, spirit. They had received the word of God, salvation. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized, water, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is after Pentecost. 
This is believers separate from their salvation. Uh, I believe people can be baptized in with the Holy Spirit right at salvation. The only prerequisite is to be a believer. It's to believe, and, and, it, and it, it, it's, um, it's something that God wants to do for you. Go to uh, Acts chapter 19, says this. And in Acts chapter 19, just so you know, this happened in 54 AD. Acts chapter 19 happened 24 years after the day of Pentecost. And this is what it says. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples he said to them disciples finding some christians did you receive the holy spirit when you believed again this is different the account here than what paul is talking about in corinthians and check do your own homework on that be like the bereans and check it out but this this is luke writing the same luke that wrote Acts, that wrote Luke, that says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he's writing and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Old King James says, since you believed. And these guys went to the same church as me because they said to them, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> I didn't even hear about it. And we didn't really growing up a lot. And that's not a condemnation. I just really believed fear gripped people and it's sad it, it breaks my heart because I, I want our kids ministry I'm filled with the Holy Spirit they don't need to wait till they get to oh they're 18 now I want to filled empowered with the Holy Spirit come on kids they, they don't get like a junior Holy Spirit they get the real deal and and he wants to fill and empower them so that they can be witnesses in their school in their community he said to them and he said to them, in what were you baptized? So he wants to know their salvation, water, spirit. So they said into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe in him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. And that is salvation, especially how you would be saved then if you, if you, if you were trusting and believing and you'd received John's baptism. Of water. When they heard this, they were baptized. They were baptized now in the name of the Lord Jesus. So were they saved? 100%. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 24 years after Pentecost, eh? And it was still happening and it still happens today. Salvation, baptized, the power of the Holy Spirit. I read a story about D.L. Moody, the famous preacher. And D.L. Moody, you don't get this a lot because I don't think the people want it publicized about his ministry. But I read this story and I've heard it before about how he was in a church and just there was not much happening, like the life of God and not much salvation and things like that. But there was two elderly ladies in this church that were praying for him. They went up to him and said, D.L. Moody, we're praying for you. And he said, thank you. He says, but we're praying that you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He looked back at them and he says, that's okay. I received the Holy Spirit when I was saved. They kept praying. And as the story goes, he eventually, reading through the scriptures, came to a point where he just wanted to receive all that God had for him. He says this, 
Well, one day in the New York City, oh, what a day, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke of for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love. He called it liquid love going into him. I went out preaching again. The sermons were different. I did not present. He actually preached the same sermon that he had preached before, but it was different because it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. People started to get saved and you know D.L. Moody's ministry, where it went and what the impact it had. Why? Because fear got out of the way. Faith came in, baptized me in the Holy Spirit. What about you this morning? I preach this from a place in my personal life and as, as a pastor, I preach it with a sense of emotion. You know why? Because, not because I want people to, you know, when I pray for people, I don't want, I'm not, I don't care if people don't fall over, fall over, speak in tongue, all that stuff, all the extra stuff. To me, my heart is that we would be different because of the Holy Spirit, that our parenting would be different, that our businesses would be different, that our lives would be different, that our, our love for people and our witness in the community would be changed. That's the transformation. And any of the other bells and whistles that come with it, woohoo, I'm happy. I don't know. It doesn't worry me. I, I'm cool with that. But just because you shake, rattle, and roll doesn't mean you're a changed, transformed person. I know people that can speak in tongues and live like the devil. It's not about the, the gift itself, but hey, let's not throw it out. Speaking in tongues is a powerful thing, and we'll do another sermon on that. And I would never despise the gifts because they are important. I think there's only one screen left. I've been through a lot this morning. I feel like I've preached a lot. And you can go to the last screen, and that's it. I said two verses. I lied. Sorry. I'm it's just this. This is the purpose of Pentecost, and it is simply this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Catch that, you'll be my witnesses. You won't do something, you'll be something. All over the world, where you are in Jerusalem, you'll start right here, right now, and it will spread. See, a witness, all a witness does is give evidence. Let me ask you, if you were arrested for being a Christian this morning, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Evidence. You don't need to manufacture it, the Holy Spirit will do it as you will be his witness as he comes upon you. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is lost people. And on the day of Pentecost, it was all about people coming to know Jesus. If you want to come and, 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 and uh, do uh, theological gymnastics with me about this and about the Greek and the Hebrew, I'll give you about 30 seconds. It's all about Jesus. It's all about reaching people. It's not about a theological debate. It's about the fact that the Holy Spirit is on us to reach the world for Jesus. And that should bring unity, not division. Amen. So we're going to hand back to the worship team. I'm done. But the Holy Spirit's not. If you want to come forward, and I'd love to pray for you just to the side, or I'd love to lay hands on you if you've never said, Holy Spirit, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I'm nothing special because I can't do it. You can't baptize anyone in the Holy Spirit, by the way, but Jesus can. And Paul would lay hands on people in the New Testament. Sometimes you don't even have to sometimes, but he would lay hands on them. And I'm going to ask that Jesus baptizes you in his Holy Spirit. And it's a step of faith. It's, it's a step of faith. What God does in your heart and life, that, that's cool. There's no expectations of weirdness. But hey, let's let God move in this space. I'm going to be down here. Just come on down.
if it's, if it's pounding in your heart. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, we do thank you this morning for your precious, precious anointing, your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, on that day of Pentecost, as that wind, the sound of wind, as you filled the place, would you come and fill hearts this morning? Lord, for people that have never embraced you, Holy Spirit, never said this, have never prayed, Holy Spirit, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit this morning. Would you do that? We thank you that you've already done it. All we need to do is receive. I just want you to catch that. He's already done it. All you do is receive. The same way you receive salvation, it's uh, through grace by faith. You are saved by grace, sorry, through faith. You receive everything in the kingdom by grace. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It doesn't, you're not holy enough for it. By grace, but it's through faith trusting Jesus and if you want to step out in faith this morning I'll meet you at this front at this altar down here in the church and pray for you